Hey everybody, before we get into this week's episode, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is Roback. Roback Activewear, they've been gaining traction big time. We love the fit and feel of their gear. The quality is top-notch. I want to talk to you about three specific products. First, their performance polos. They fit so much better than your typical boxy polos, and they have it all. Fire prints, classic stripes, simple solids. The four-way stretch material is next level and wrinkle-free, and the collars never lose their shape. Combine all of that, and it's why Roback polos are unmatched. Second, their performance Q-zips are a game-changer when it comes to fall golf. They're so soft, you'll be throwing darts all day. Perfect for a crisp early morning 18, a run around the block, a day in the office, or a night out. Truly the definition of versatile. And then last but not least, their performance hoodies. These things are the legitimately the most comfortable hoodies we've worn on the course and off. Hands down the softest, stretchiest hoodies in golf. Just asking to be worn out on the links. Listeners, right now, if you have not tried out Roback, I've got a deal for you. Simply use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, at roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled Roback, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. Get 20% off all polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with code TRAP. Trust us when we say you can't beat Roback. Check them out now. Thank them for sponsoring the Trap Draw. And now into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw. My name is Randy. I am joined by my associate, Tron Carter. Mr. TC, first and foremost, how are you today? I am great, Big. I'm great. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to get to Cincinnati. It's been a little bit and uh, watch some LPGA golf. Amen to that. Amen to that. Uh, we are recording this on September 1st, so the week before Cincinnati week, but uh, everything should be pertinent by the time folks are listening to this. And our very special guest back once again, Beth Ann Nichols, senior writer at Golf Week. Uh, you must follow her on Twitter at Golf Week Nichols. Beth Ann, thanks for joining again. Always a highlight. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. I just got back to steamy Florida, so I was just in Ohio. We're like ships passing in the night here. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, let's start there. Where I, you were up at the U.S. Senior Women's Open, is that right? Yes, and then which which was fun, and I, I I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But um, most recently, I was at the the Dana Open, formerly known as the Jamie Farr in Toledo, and been a few days uh, early week that several players I guess if you count those who are in the uh, the senior women's open field or in on a which was just a few uh, are on a three-week tour in Ohio <laughs> so, um, so yeah it was a, it was a lot of fun it was it actually 
yesterday, you know, interviewed Polly Creamer and, and Athahar Munoz, who are back um, for the first time competing since giving birth. So, uh, so they, you know, it's always fun. It's, you know, I've known Paula since she was 15. And, and when you see players, she's 36 now, <laughs> you see players, you know, get married and then have babies. And, you know, it's just so fun to talk to them about, you know, life stuff, you know, how, how life has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's always a dynamic on, on the women's side that obviously is not necessarily there on the men's side, although of course starting a family for the men is is something as well. But yeah, just the the physical toll and and how that affects the actual golf game is is really fascinating. Uh, well, let's start. You alluded to you were up in um, Ohio for the U.S. Senior Women's Open. I know one of your main goals was uh, following Joanne Carter around i uh, would love to hear you talk about that experience and and any other little nuggets from the week that you think are worth sharing maybe yeah you know early week at the senior women's open is all about big mama that that's mostly all i'm concentrating on because everything she does is cool i, I mean I, I i can't take my eyes off of whatever she's doing you know is she she going to grab a cigarette now, you know, even signing her scorecard is interesting. Like just cause it takes forever. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just, everything's just so fascinating. And, 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 you know, we're all excited about it. Is Joanne going to break 80? Is she going to shoot her age or break her age, which, which right now is 83 and she shot 83, 83. And she comes in, you know, the media tent, you know, really upset that, you know, embarrassed by her 83, you know, wanting to make the cut, you know, th- this is not at all, you know, the, the kind of performance that she was hoping for, you know, she was hoping to shoot a couple, couple over par, you know, so, you know, she's just as competitive as ever, you know, and then she was off to get a drink at the bar. <laughs> and to be clear, it was at, uh, it was at NCR, right? Yes, it was at NCR, which, uh, you had hosted, hosted several USGA championships and, and I guess notably the U S women's open, uh, in the mid eighties. And it was just like a crazy, this is well before my time, but <laughs> a crazy week in terms of, uh, you know, just a, a lot of natural disasters happening that week. So, uh, and Joanne told a great story about locusts, uh, you know, de- coming swarming you depending on what color you were wearing and being down in the in the cup and coming up out of the cup and it was it was wild (laughs) could you provide any more background on joanne and and her story i mean i i personally i just kind of know from twitter you know i think she she's obviously a a, an older woman still a, a hell of a golfer loves a drink loves a cigarette but what <laughs> did you dig back into her history for anybody listening and, and for my own sake as well? What What's kind of her history around the game? Do you, do you know that Beth Ann? Yeah. So, I mean, Joanne Carner was one of the greatest amateur players of all time. Uh, you know, she actually didn't turn professional until she was 30. Uh, so she was like, I believe she was LPGA rookie of the rookie of the year at age 31, wow. <laughs> something like that, which is, which is fun. You know, she won, uh, you know, more than 40 times on the LPGA with, without actually joining the tour full time and until she was 30. So, uh, you know, just one of the all time great champions. No woman has won more USGA titles than Joanne Carner. She obviously was a, was a girls junior champion, a women's am champion. 
and U.S. Women's Open champion. And and she was really bummed that it took so long for the Senior Women's Open to come about because she wanted to be the first player to win four different USGA titles. And, of course, that was past her prime, you know, by the time the USGA got around to adding a Senior Women's Open. So, um, and also she wanted to surpass uh, you know, Tiger Woods and, and, and Bobby Jones with the, the, the all time, you know, USGA titles. Yeah. It's like, she's some like larger than life character, but you don't know what any of the specifics were, kind of <laughs> led up to, you know, her, her being almost this, this, uh, this like legendary presence. It's like, Hey, like how did she become this? You know? So yeah, that's good to know. And, and this yeah, was her, just- this was her final senior women's open is that or or in all likelihood might be her final senior women's open is is that the case that was certainly the impression that i got you know i mean every year she says she's not sure you know oh, i don't know if i'll be back or not <laughs> i'm like oh sure you will joanne you know but but this time it it really felt like you know this was it and and i and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention her sister helen who's 91 and walked every hole that Joanne played, including all the practice rounds. The woman never, to my knowledge, from what I could tell, broke a sweat. I, 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 at one point I suggested that we take kind of the low road around <laughs> the green. And, and I, and so this other gentleman and I, we, I said, this looks like an easier route. And she looked at me and she said, I'm going straight up the hill. And she left me <laughs> She went straight <laughs> up the hill. And I was like, okay. You know, I mean, the, they have another sister, I'm not, they're not sure, could be 89, could be 90. They, they didn't really want to do the math, but, uh, but they've got great genes. And, and, and Helen didn't start playing golf until 70 when Joanne bought her a set of clubs. And, 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 and Helen talked about how good Joanne looked, how much work she had done to prepare for this championship. You know, she'd lost a lot of weight, you know, because COVID, you know, took its toll on everyone. Joanne wasn't able to go out and, and, and practice and, and have her normal routine for a very long time. And so, um, you know, it took a lot to get her, her, her body and her game back in shape. And she basically said a lot, a lot of the same thing that Annika said, you know, I, I, it took a lot of work to get here and I don't know that I want to put that amount of work into it again, you know, and I, and I, I sort of believed both of them. Well, and then what, um, the woman who won the tournament, Jill McGill, I believe, it sounded like also a, a fantastic story. What what can you tell us about about Jill? Yeah, so uh, one thing I love about the Senior Women's Open is, you know, for for a player like an Annika Sorenstam or or Laura Davies, the inaugural champion, it's a continuation of you know a Hall of Fame career. It's another opportunity to add another you know, title to the, to, to the resume. But for Jill McGill, it was a second chance because this is a player who'd won the U S women's amateur in the, in the early mid nineties. She won the, the uh, now defunct U S women's amateur public links. And then she never won on a professional level, whether it was, you know, on a developmental tour or on the LPGA, she had, you know, several, several runner-up finishes, you know, a couple dozen top tens, but, but never broke through. And so it was interesting when, when she, after she won, as she's coming down the stretch, we're like frantically trying to see if there was anything she won, like a Colorado open, like something, you know, we couldn't find anything. So I asked her and she's like, I haven't won since 1994. So, so all of a sudden she joins this rarefied air of, 
of, you know, Tiger, Jack, Arnie, you know, you know, all these amazing, Joanne, all these amazing competitors, you know, who have won three different USGA titles. And all of a sudden there's Jill McGill on this list. And it's just, it's just fascinating. And, and, and one of my favorite, um, moments from that as well was Sarah Kellum, who works for the LPGA. She was there and she asked her, she's like, you know, you, you, you were in contention, you, know, you spent a long time on the LPGA. Did you glean anything from those experiences? She said, absolutely not. I wanted to forget all of that. I was not <laughs> successful. I'm a completely different person than I was then. You know, and I, I thought that was fantastic. And she is. She's the mother of two. You know, she's she's a rookie at this championship. She's 50 years old. Totally different mentality, you know, coming coming into the championship and going down the stretch, you know. So um, so kudos to her. I look forward to seeing her at Pebble Beach for the Women's Open. <laughs> How was NCR? Like just in general, I've never been there. I've been to Dayton. It was great. First of all, I love the vibe of the club. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm anti stuffy, so there was nothing stuffy about it. It was it was really that nice. Shocks me, Bethany. I, I thought you would be all about the the stuffy club. I know, I know, right? I felt very comfortable there. The churros were amazing. <laughs> uh, no, it was the. I thought the course was was a a really stern test. Uh, the the greens were. Wow, the greens were wow. I didn't I didn't play the golf course, but just, you know, just you don't have to be a genius to just look at them and appreciate how difficult the greens are there. And and for these women, you know, especially who haven't competed very much at all, you know, there there's there's a very limited senior circuit available. You know, it's tough to go into green complexes like that that really test your short game and and you know, recovery shots were tough and and on Sunday the the setup was tough. It, you know, it was, it was getting firmer because it had rain earlier in the week and, and, you know, not a single player broke par. So um, at the end of the day, when you looked at the scoreboard, it looked like the U S open scoreboard. TC, I, I, um, and God, I'm drawing a blank on where the event is next year in 2023, but I wrote down 2024 at Fox, Fox chapel. And I think that's oh. 2024. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. It's Waverly next year um, in yeah. Oregon. Waverly oh, nice. Club. Oh, yes. okay. Well, that would be cool too. But I was like, oh my God, Fox Chapel. I've heard, I've never seen it in person, but uh, just outside Pittsburgh, I've heard great things about it. Uh, I would love to the get to one of these guys have been, have been, have been renovating it. Yeah. Uh, would, would love to get to, to a senior women's open here in the next couple of years. Uh, who won the the uh, senior the senior women's am the one up in Alaska? I totally I, I think we were we were overseas. Oh the- yeah, forgive me for blanking on her name. <laughs> she was new to me. Okay. <laughs> Any big stories out of that week? Like how was Alaska? Uh, I, unfortunately, I didn't go, yeah. but I understand the the women had a blast. Okay. I I love looking at the photos. I know they did like a glacier tour (laughs) cruise before the championship started. You know, it was, it was a bucket list itinerary for, for a lot of women. And and I'm, I'm always amazed at at like the Ellen ports of the world who go went directly from the senior women's amateur the next week competed in the senior and the U S women's am at Chambers Bay. So a very cool turnaround. Shelly Stouffer won a Canadian woman. Became the fourth Canadian to win the U.S. Senior Women's Am. There, we gave her some credit. Sorry there about that, Shelly. There we go. <laughs> Shelly Stouffer defeated Sue Wooster, four and three. Uh, all right. 
Very good. We can tie a bow on that. Uh, I know what I was saying about Dan. Last time I spoke to you, it was just after the uh, U.S. Open, right before the KPMG. So it's it's been a little bit. Um, would love to get into some LPGA, just general discussion. I think when I was trying to think of, okay, what are some of the most prominent things that have happened here in the last couple months to me it's like i think we start with brooke henderson winning winning another i know tc will object here but winning another major at the evian uh i i think it's great for the game her first major since 2016 uh talk to me you know your your reaction is do you think that's the biggest kind of happening since you and i last spoke uh yes de- definitely uh you know i i think Look, anytime you can four putt on <laughs> the Sunday of a major championship and rebound and make some clutch putts down the stretch, it uh, really says a lot about um, what's what's inside of you. And, and, you know, we started off the year wondering how much this modern local rule was really going to affect Brooke Henderson having to change to, you know, a, a regulation driver when she's been playing a 48-inch driver since high school, since I think she was about 15. And, and it took a long time for her to find, you know, to, she tested a lot of, a lot of different drivers and components and, and, and found what she likes and, and is driving the ball beautifully. And I, you know, I definitely think that, you know, Brooke is one of those, is one of the needle movers on the LPGA, not just in Canada, but, you know, worldwide. And, and unfortunately she didn't have the showing that I'm sure she was, that we all were hoping for. Uh, at, at the Canadian Open, uh, which of course was, I think, about an hour from Smith Falls, so uh, it was it was as about a home event as you're going to have, and for her, and uh, you know, but still, uh, what a great homecoming to to come back after winning a major championship. Tron, are you, are you recognizing? It? You've always been high on on Brooke. You've you've always been in her corner. It was tough for me. I had to, I did yeah. you know I had to take a lot from Canada. I've you know, I was pressing. Brooke needed to win another major, uh, so I, I had to eat she a lot of crow. Yeah, she. Yeah, she stepped up. No, I think it's. Uh, yeah, certainly, it's crazy to me that that she was using as long of a driver as she was, and like how much of an adjustment that's been this year. But no, I think I don't know. I think Brooke's best golf is ahead of her. I'm still bullish on her in general, and glad to see her kind of, you know, taking these next steps and kind of claiming some of this potential, right? And I agree. I was looking, Beth Ann, you and I have spoken about it be awesome and and hopefully more granular stats are coming. I, we're going to touch on that later in the podcast, but at least just scoring average and cuts made, top tens. It, it's amazing how consistent Brooke has been. Obviously was missing that follow-up major since 2016, but just just impressed with her consistently good play, which I guess leaves me wondering about how many majors she has, what, you know, what is her top gear, but got to hand it to her for, for her consistency through the years. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we were all shocked that it took this long to get her, her second major title. You know, she talked earlier in the year about taking some time off away from the game, being with her family, uh, you know, just kind of getting a little bit of a, of a mental reset and, and how important that is. I think, you know, this can be a grind, you know, she's, it's hard to believe 
that, you know, she's still what only 25 when she's been winning on the LPGA since she was a teenager. And so uh, you kind of lose track of time with some of these players, but you know, she's, she's still so far from 30. So you're right. You know, it seemed, and she's still, you can just tell how much she loves competition, how much she's still hungry for it. Of course, her sister is a huge uh, comfort to her, uh, you know, being alongside her week after week, uh, you know, a, a taste of home and a best friend to travel with, you know, make, makes a big difference because it is lonely and, and, um, you know, as we've talked about many times, you know, the arc of an LPGA player's career is, is very different. Yeah. Beth Ann, what, like, I know it's, it's been a topic of conversation on this pod in the past of just the, maybe the, the perception that Brooke plays too much. Is she playing the same amount this year? Has there been any change as far as her schedule goes, or is it kind of business as usual as she's done in the past? Well, she she did take take a little uh, a little break earlier in the year before she won Avion, and then then she pulled out of the um, the Scottish Open after she won the the Avion and and took a break and kind of toured around Ireland and and decompressed before she went over to the to the AIG Women's Open. Maybe old Brooke Henderson would have you know tried to carry on that momentum and play the next two weeks and and. And, and power through, but instead, you know, she's taking scenic shots, you know, somewhere <laughs> off of a coast. So um, I think that's a great thing for her. COVID kind of forced everybody to force you to take a reset and, and, and play a lot less and, and maybe reevaluate how you do things. And, uh, and so I think that's, that's, that's a great thing for Brooke because it, this is a very long game and you're right. It, it was, and that's why she, a knock on the rankings. That's why she hasn't been ranked as high as she probably should have over the years because she played so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing. So, uh, including the event in Toledo, this will be her seven is her seventeenth start uh, on the LPGA schedule this year. Which you know is honestly, it's behind. Like Jennifer Cupcho uh, has more. Taya Titicum, Nasa Hataoka. Celine Boutier. So she she is not playing as much as a, a good number of other people, which Beth Ann, to your point, I know is is maybe it's it's a good thing for her. She finds herself really as uh you know, we'll see, but but really the it, it's her and Minji, it looks like the the player of the year race is gonna come down to. Uh if, if anybody can catch Minji, it, it seems like it it's really only Brooke at this point. Yeah, and a lot of that comes down to how well Minji's played in the majors this year. You know, to get to gain that mm-hmm. sizable advantage because Cup chose one three times, but she didn't get any points for her Dow win. <laughs> and she only has one top ten outside of those three wins, which is fascinating. She's she's had a very kind of boom or or bust year, uh, high variance. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing, um, the South African surprises. I, I think this started, of course, with. Ashley Buhai at Muirfield at the Women's Open. Um, an, an awesome, awesome performance that week. Won in a playoff over NG Chun. And then Paula Reto won the Canadian Open. Her first win on the LPGA Tour in 157 starts. I should mention it was Ashley Buhai's first LPGA win as well. Of course, her first major. Uh, a kind of out of nowhere major winner. I feel like, you know, we we haven't, quite had that recently what did what did you make of that i mean my goodness what a what a gutsy performance that that 
that bunker shot was incredible, you know, in, in the dark, <laughs> thrilled. It didn't have to go till Monday. You know, I, I, it certainly was a surprise. I mean, no, nobody, you know, you could have named 20 players, 25 players, and probably never mentioned Ashley Buhai as, as someone that would be on your radar coming into the week. So, you know, and, and when you look back at Ashley Buhai, the, the first – I don't remember the first time I met her. I already knew who she was and had already met her by the time I got to South Africa in 2006 for the world amateur team. So that was a long time ago. And at that point she, she was a world beater, you know, and, and she was, you know, on, on track, you know, she was on track to be a phenom, you know, and, and she was winning LAT events and, and, and the South African women's open uh, and multiple times as a teenager. And so, uh, you know, she was she was the great hope of South Africa on the LPGA, and then it just never really panned out until until this point. And so um, I love I love what it says about perseverance. Um, you know, there just there really just are no guarantees in this game, and it was an especially I think a feel good win. You know, with her husband, um, not on the bag, but but clearly. Um, invested in every yeah. shot uh, but but you know they it was kind of a fun story and that they met at a golf academy uh years and years ago when they were when they were both you know young pros and uh and he ends up managing a shoe store when they're dating and and she had a caddy that broke his leg and so he came out just to kind of sub in for the caddy who had the broken leg and ended up never going back to the shoe store so you know they're a fun couple on tour you know a lot of a lot of, you know, I think it's when you have a, a couple, a player and caddy couple, uh, you know, you end up having twice the amount of friends, I guess, probably out there and people invested in the whole thing. And and I asked her one time because he caddied for her until basically until they got married. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, some people would say that you'd like to stay married. So <laughs> she just, that was cute. But basically, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, right? It's a lot of pressure. Which, yeah, it's kind of like followed the... Um followed the men's game a little bit in the, in the trend of not having a whole lot of surprise winners. Like everything's been like heavyweight winners on the men's side. And it's the same thing. I'm trying to think the last, last women's major, like Alim Kim or Papa yeah. or Shibuno, like before that, those are kind of the last. Yeah. Three. It hasn't happened in a few years. Right. I, I think you're right. I, I, Sophia Popov really came out of nowhere. Uh, she's more of, uh, household name i guess now but that and of course hanako shibuno from an american perspective there must be something about the 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 british open because i feel like of of the five women's majors that's probably the one where we've gotten the most out of left field winners and, and especially recently yeah three out of the last four really yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> because, you know, Shibuno, she'd never even played outside the country before. So, uh, you know, it's, of course, that was a Parkland course in Woburn, vastly different. But, but I love this. I love the synergy between you know Ashley winning and Gary Player having won at you know at Muirfield and and Ernie Els having won twenty years prior at Muirfield and and Ashley's watching while she's playing a practice round, watching some of the YouTube highlights from Ernie L's victory. And, uh, and then of course, you know, she goes on to create her own highlights. So it's, and she had a life-size poster of him in her bedroom when she was a kid and took it out to have him sign it. 
uh, you know, when he was playing in a, in a local event down South Africa. So just, and now she, now she takes money off of him and money games down <laughs> in South Florida. So I just love the circle of life here. <laughs> it's, a, it's a ball strikers golf course. I feel like the South Africans are always good ball strikers, right? They're always, for whatever reason, they play well on kind of firm turf. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. The next three years, the, the venues, the AIG women's opener, or, uh, I think they're what Walton Heath next year. Yep. And then the old course in 24 and then Royal Porth call over in Wales. So that's, I mean, they're like, they've, they've raised the game on the venues. It seems like. Definitely. Definitely. And, um, I mean, I talked about it on our podcast, but it was so thrilled to go around Muirfield and, and to watch the women play there. It just very good for the game of golf long overdue. And yeah, you're exactly right. Come a long way from some of the venues, you know, in the not so recent past. Right. Yeah. And, and really making the, the women's open on, on the best of the best tests is, is fantastic. Not stuffy either. Right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, they did to their credit, they had the clubhouse open. Um, you could, you could, you could get in there. Um, I, I, kind of befriended a, a member. He gave me a, a tour of the clubhouse. They had a little shop there that was open to the public. If folks wanted to grab like a Muirfield hat or something. So, um, you know, I, I can't but help. I, I tweeted this, but it's like, man, it, it, in my mind now, it, it, it puts the focus squarely on Augusta. I, I know they have the yeah. ANWA, but in my opinion, it's like, okay, Augusta is, is now the one place where the, the world-class best of the best women can't play. And I, I feel like that's, I, I don't know how we're going to fix it, but like that's, it's stark in that Augusta stands alone now in, in that fact, which, you know, it's, that's, it's too it bad. feels like, I, I know they'd never do it, but gosh, it feels like what a, you know, let's say they don't want to do it every year, but one year do like a, you know, Solheim Cup or US <laughs> Women's Open, right? I handed over the USGA and, you know, I know it's yeah. not the, it, June's tough, you know, May, June's tough there, but you could probably rearrange some things, I suppose. Uh, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, it's the same thing on the women's open side, like the you know, Pebble next year, Lancaster Country Club the year after that, and then and then Aaron Hills the year after that, and then and then Riv in 26. So it's like yeah. there's there's great momentum, you know, on that side. Where's the KPMG? Baltus Raw. Raw. I was just there earlier this week. Baltus Raw. Yeah. How did it look? Uh, it's fine. It's whatever. It's, Tron, Beth Ann Tron's not a big Baltus Roll fan. I freaking hate Baltus <laughs> I had low expectations going in. Randy played it, what, last year, Randy? Yeah. Post, post-Gill restoration. It's fine. Um, I thought Gill did a good job. I just don't, I just don't think the bones are that good. It's not, it's just not a captivating piece of property. It's kind of a weird club too. And that like, it's a huge club. It's kind of a factory, like, you know, Atlanta athletic or, Olympic club, but it's also stuffy at the same time. So it's kind of the worst mm. of the world in my opinion, but that's a tough combo fact, a stuffy factory. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. The KPMG, I'm just looking now. Uh, so they have the, the new, what will be the new PGA course in Frisco, Texas in 2025. And then they have back to congressional in 2027 and then Frisco in 2031. But those are the only future venues right now. So they public. haven't announced twenty four. No, they have not. They have not announced twenty four. But credit. I mean, KPMG has been going to some fabulous venues. Beth Antron and I were saying, like the Chevron 
I, I know they've found a home, but the Chevron would be the perfect major to take around the world even, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. Chevron's a global company. I would love to, you know, put that in Japan one year, put it in Australia, uh, you know, put it in GB and I even, or, you know, that would be one that you could take to Augusta national. I, I wish that one would kind of move around. Although Augusta is a big Exxon mobile. That's true. That's true. Yeah, so that, that would be tough. Yeah. I mean, why can't we just get rid of the Evian? And, uh, and just move that around. <laughs> just, it'd be tough to move the Evian when it's at Evian. But. It's such a bad golf course, it looks like, though. I mean, watching it, it's just like painful. Hey, folks, Randy here. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I want to thank our other sponsor, and that is DraftKings. Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And as an added bonus for Week 1, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. Bet on an NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team goes on to lose. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code NLU to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet this Sunday. That's code NLU only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And now back to our episode. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I mean, it, you understood why Juan did it, but at the same time, you hate that it had to happen. Yeah, well, and it feels like they're in a much different place now, right? Where it's just right. something was right 10 or 15 years ago doesn't mean that it's, that it's right now, right? You know, I, I think also it's like not enough was made of the fact that like, like Lexi Thompson just straight up skipping a major. Stacey like, Lewis skipped it again too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, there's, you know, that's, cr- that's crazy. <laughs> I, I know just, th- just boycotting the golf course. I mean, that would be a massive, massive story. If but say I can remember Steve. on the men's side, remember when like Kenny Perry, when, when he was playing really well, he just Kenny didn't Perry go to the like, British open. Kenny Perry was like a top, 30 players. <laughs> He'd be more, uh, yeah. I think Stricker, like Ryan Stricker, Palmer skipping. Or, yeah, I, mean, I guess Bubba, Bubba always bitched about, you know, going over there and, you know, that yeah. food and all that stuff. But, <laughs> yeah, but he still went. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. All right. What else? What else? Uh, NG Chun. I, I, Beth Ann, let me ask you this. She won the KPMG, her third major. She obviously almost won the women's open. Um, had not won a major since 2016, like Brooke Henderson, uh, coincidentally, and hadn't even won on the LPGA since 2018. What this renaissance is, I was kind of getting into her stats. I saw she went 58 events over a three year span between 2018 and 2020, where she had eight top tens and 58 starts on the LPGA Tour. And then last year in 2021, she had eight top tens and a win, or excuse me, and now has won and, and had the runner-up at the Open in 2022. So I think people should have seen this. You know, the, this this renaissance or, or this breakthrough was coming during 2021, but 
any any color to add to Inji Chun? I mean, it's I feel like it's great to kind of have her back and and in the mix. Would would you agree with that? Uh, I, you won't find a more delightfully kind player on tour than the Flying Dumbo. I mean, Inji is just pure gold. She's she's so so kind. Uh, you know, I think so. So it's easy to root for her. I say in that regard, and it's good when she when she plays well because I think fans. Uh, you know, around the world really resonate with her. But I also, she's been very candid about, you know, the mental health struggles that, that she's faced, um, you know, in recent years and, and, and that battle and, and let's not to lump all the South Koreans together, but they've, they fall under a lot of pressure when they have success come quickly to them as she did, you know, when she won at Lancaster and, and there's just a, a huge heap of expectations thrown on them. And they're in a different kind of spotlight than American athletes are here. And so, um, you know, I mean, obviously each player is, is, is different, but you hear, and yet you hear them all at some point in their career, talk about most of them talk about how, how much pressure they have felt. And, and a lot of that's internal pressure, but it's coming from a place because, you know, they feel it, they feel it externally too. So um, I, I'm, I'm super, super happy for her. Um, I was all ready to have the, is it really the grand slam career grand slam debate? <laughs> I was ready to write that column. Well, and talk <laughs> and about then, that. Talk, talk about why that. I mean, you know, I, the LPGA says, you know, by their letter of the law that it is the career grand slam. And then it's like the, I don't even know what they call it. The super slam or something when you, when, when you went all five, you know, but the definition of, of, of the slam is that you, that, that you, the grand slam is that you've swept them. You've, you've cleared the table. You've won them all. It's a bridge term. And so that's, that's how it was coined for Bobby Jones, you know, way back in the thirties. And it was, it came from bridge. So, um, so, you know, if you, if the LPGA adds a fifth major, whether we think it should be there or not, you've now altered what is considered to be the career grand slam. So, I would have said no. She didn't have it. It was interesting. I did a little Twitter poll, and um, and and no is what won. She did not. She did not. Will would not have the career Grand Slam. You know, it's an interesting debate. It just it stinks that the LPGA is in that position, and and only the LPGA would add a fifth major and then have NB Park at St Andrews ready to win four in a calendar year. <laughs> That would only happen to the LPGA. <laughs> but hold on. I'm confused, though, because wouldn't it be like, all right, she's won the LPGA. All right. So the. the uh, she hasn't won the Chevron, the Dyna. Exactly. Which wouldn't that be like, you know, if, if she won that but didn't win the Evian, that's what you're arguing? Would no, be- I'm saying you've got to win all five, regardless yeah. of which. which so I-, I mean. It doesn't matter if you've only won four. It doesn't matter which one you're missing. You you haven't you haven't won all five. But it's even more egregious than that she had hasn't won the Dyna. <laughs> I was gonna say like it doesn't even seem like a conversation because she hasn't won the Dyna. Whereas like if she hadn't won the Evian, I feel like there's a there's a debate to be had there, right? Where you know like at least in my mind that's clearly the the Grand Slam because I don't consider that a major. But, right. You know, it's uh, question for you on the KPMG. Did you feel like like Lexi, was this a different loss for Lexi or was this just another 
chapter in the same book as far as you know continuing along from Olympic Club and some of the other tough losses she's had in recent memory. To me, it, it just it felt just as painful. It didn't feel like it was anything really different. I mean, obviously the fine in the end didn't help either, but I think I look, whether, whether it's mostly due to putting or what, you know, mostly it is, but I mean, this one seemed even more egregious, but in that chip too. Yeah. Yes. in that chip, I, I, I just think that, that she needs to try something very different. I don't know what that is, but, um, but it, 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 it just looks like her body just changes, you know, physically she changes when it gets down to the, the back nine on Sunday. And, and so you can only surmise that that's something going on inside of her head. And it was crazy too. Cause it looked like she, I mean, like even on 15, she made that birdie on 15 and you're like, Holy shit. Like she's, she's rewriting history. She's gonna, she's gonna overcome it this time. And then she pokies 16 and 17. And it's- oh, it's just a, it's just a gut punch. I, I will say, you know, I will say Lexi is extraordinarily resilient. She comes up off the mat. She goes back at it. She puts herself back in that position. So I I give her a lot of credit for still sticking it out, you know, because I don't know anyone that's had more heartbreak in the women's game, you know, going back, especially to the 2017 Chevron, you know, ANA. I don't know anyone that's experienced as much as she has. And she's still, puts herself right back in that position. And she has obviously since 2017 at the Chevron made some clutch putts and, you know, had some big moments, but when you just add it all up together, man, it's hard. It's Seems hard. Like she's like, she's good for like one a year where you just left scratching your head. Right. Oh yeah. gosh. Well, uh, and then granted, like, <laughs> yeah. And granted, like it wasn't just her that day. I mean, like, you know, watching oh. God, like, uh, H.J. Choi was particularly tough to watch that afternoon. Um, and or, Angie you know, struggled the, too until she got it together down the stretch. Yeah, that was a pretty yeah. provocative final round. Yes, very, very, and and Minji put herself right there at the end. You know, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was wild. It wasn't as wild as Sunday at the Senior Women's Open, but it was still pretty wild. Yeah, that three putt that that uh, that uh, Minji had. On 17 i think that was that was it like gosh if she just gets that down in two i mean she's she's in a playoff and, and right yeah she's, she's looking at back-to-back majors but sorry sorry to hijack it there i no, just the no, kpmg no. was that was like one of my favorite favorite <laughs> final rounds of the year men or women and then shit and then the the you know the women's british was right up there with it as well and probably two of the round ra- i mean the, the two rounds of the year, in, in my opinion, came from those events, right? In, NG's opening round 64 at Congressional and then Ashley Buhai's, uh Did she have a 64 as well at Mirfield or was it a 65 in round three? It yeah. were just amazing. It was like, I, I, was, I was at both of those courses those days and coming in, I did not follow either uh, Minji or uh, excuse me, NG or Ashley during those rounds, but like came in, was just like, Holy shit. I, I just walked the whole course. I saw their competitors play. I did not see those rounds out here today. Just incredible stuff. The, uh, the I, I think, I think the only other thing on KPMG, Bethany was just the setup 
I know Randy and I talked about it on our, uh, on our recap pod from that week, but it just seemed like uh, they just butchered it. And I know like we probably disagree a little bit on your, you've written columns, I think just kind of, Hey, let's, you know, we want to see more birdies or we want to see more, you know, uh, more excitement. And I think, I think we're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum on that one, but it seemed like what they did for the setup there didn't make anybody happy. Right. It just, yeah, it yeah. just made it unnecessarily weird. I mean, I, I think, um, where we probably differ is on par fives because I, I, I'm, I mean, part of the, the piece was that I, I want to see more par fives reachable for the majority of the field. But the, the basic crux of the piece was that I want to see the right club in a player's hand for what the way that the hole was designed. Which I agree. So, yeah. so that should yield more birdies, right? If I have a club that I can actually hold the green and hit the kind of shot that this green is designed to receive, that should yield more birdies and not as much goofy golf. And so and it, what should we yield, it should yield more, more exciting golf on the downside too as well because right, players yeah. are playing more aggressively going right. at more pin more that, risk right? reward essentially you know you're you're exactly right so so i think so what we saw there was a classic case of what the, the crux of my piece was was that you have players going can't reach the green hitting three woods you know hitting driver three wood you know then i not even reaching in full three full <laughs> shots on a par well, five and then they, and then they God, totally <laughs> and, then, and then they totally, they totally lost the plot and went too far the other way the next day to where it totally messed up the two waves. And, yes. you know, it's they, like, yeah. all right, like you can't make that adjust between Thursday and Friday. You can do it Friday to Saturday. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's so frustrating. Cause I think Kerry Haig, I, I, like, I, I don't think it's deserved. Like I, he, everybody just reveres him as these, this, this course set up <laughs> maestro. And it's like, I, I just don't see it. Like yeah. he's, I know it was, it was literally opposite day. Like they got a text in the morning, Thursday talking about the amount of rain that they had. And so players came to the course Thursday thinking the tees would be moved up. And then of course they weren't, then they didn't have any rain and it dried out Friday and then they moved the tees up. And it's like, what are, what are we doing here though? So it, yeah, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. And, and even if it only happens on, four or five holes where they get it wrong. That's you know, and I, it's probably more than that. And the more for the morning wave, but, but even when it's just that, you know, it's just, it just, it's such a bad look, you know, it's just Ugh. like they were, you know, like, I think people were doing like, this is the equivalent of like the men playing like an 8,000 yard course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I, I, I just don't understand. And I, and I go back to this too, like, and I think we differ here a little bit. I think Randy and I differ here on this. <laughs> I, 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 the people don't tune in to watch women's golf week to week when you get to like a U.S. Women's Open. So I don't, I don't want it to be like so incredibly difficult that the one time you tuned in, it was like complete carnage, and you think they're all terrible, you know? So like, like, you know, there's got to be a. I mean, I want it to be a stern test, especially the women's open. It's the most difficult, should be the most difficult test yeah. of the year. That's what they're known for. But I just don't want it to be over the top silly. Where it's like pine needles. I thought they did a pretty good job of, you know, what was that, that first or second green that was, you know, there were some gnarly pin placements there where it's like everybody can can get there with a the right club in their hands. It's just a matter of like, it's just a really precarious spot. And it's. Yeah, that, that and that's fair. If that it, separates a good shot and a great shot. You know? Yes. Yes. But just make it so that players can hold, 
can hold the greens if they hit a good shot. You know, oh. that that's all I ask. <laughs> I, and I appreciate that perspective. I And, and it does make sense. But as somebody, you know, I, I try to watch a lot more women's golf. So I, I do want to see a, a real stiff test and like, let's make the U S open. Let's, yeah. let's make it a par, a great score. But I will say by the end, like I, that's, that's what I want on the men's side too. Like, I almost feel like the women get relatively harder setups, like KPMG, a prime example. Can you imagine if the men played a 8,000 plus yard course after a ton of rain? And I don't believe it was ball in hand that day. I mean, they would be out of their minds, which I love, but they never, they, they don't do that on the, on the men's was side. Like, yeah. Well, and so is part of the problem or is part of the, the inherent issue here, like is the variance between the shortest women's players and the longest women's players larger as a percentage than say the, the variance between the shortest men's players and the, and the longest men's players. Yeah, you, you have, yes. And you have to be, you, you have to make sure the shortest player can reach the fairway <laughs> sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, I hate like to say Fred that. Funk like, rule. Yeah. But, that, yeah. but that's, you know, I mean, so yes, it is, it, I, it is more of a challenge because there is a, probably a, a wider variety, but on the same, with the same token though, whereas they run out of real estate on the men's side, they've got, you know, they got, yeah. They got room to run on the women's side. It's just that it pinches down in areas for the longer players that it wasn't designed to pinch because, yeah. you know, they're the, the courses aren't designed with a, you know, a high caliber woman in mind. <laughs> so well, um, well, it seems like they're not designed with a high caliber, shorter woman in mind. Right. That, that That's fair too. Um or but I would say the opposite way too, where the longer players can't really hit driver oftentimes when they get to courses, you know, they're, they're, they're being limited by, by the shorter players in the field. <laughs> by, yeah. By like, by like where, like where you have to put the tees because of the shorter players. Right. Whereas they could just, you know, if there weren't as many short players, they could just go back and, and, you know, put them on a, 6,800 yard tee box we, instead of 6,400 yard tee box. When, you know? when my girl, Diana Finkelstein's in the field, we, Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's really interesting. I, yeah, I, I, I like, and I love the, the final round KPMG setup. I thought Pine Needles was too soft. I know we talked about that. It was. Uh, that was the thing. It was like, yeah. I thought the setup was good. And then they did some cool pins, but like the greens were too soft. They just, yeah. they were just putting too much damn water on, which they do everywhere. Yeah, right. Right. Um, yes. Jin Young Ko, kind of an afterthought. This summer, head, head scratcher. Yeah, yeah. What, I know. Uh, won her first start of 2022, and and since then, and again, I preface all this like this is like all she's a victim of her own success at this point. But only four top tens since that season opening victory. I imagine this is a surprise. Is is this just you know she can't play that well forever? This is just a little down streak, or is this something different? You know, I don't know if I if I need to eat crow or not, and I'm not sure if I'll ever know because I don't know if she'll actually like tell us the truth. Not to that, not that she's not not going to tell us the truth, but you know, athletes aren't necessarily going to you know say everything they're thinking to you all the time. But what I, my point is, I thought that hiccup at Wilshire 
where, you know, she was in contention and you, you thought she was, this was going to be another monster year. And then it was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? You know, and, and you're, and I thought she'll get over that. And she did. She played well the next week at Palace Friday. She didn't win, but, um, but she was, she was, she was back. But now I'm starting to wonder if maybe there was a little bit more scar tissue from that brain freeze that occurred on, on, on the 17th hole. If that, if that, if there's something lingering there, cause it was so out of character, the way she tackled that hole. And, and, and so I don't know, does that, did that start some self doubt that that's still there? I, I, I don't know. Sometimes you don't get, get to the bottom of those things until a player gets to the other side and they've won like four tournaments in a row. Then you go back and say, Hey, remember that time, (laughs) you know, then they they might tell you, but I don't know. I mean, it could be a million different things. I have no idea. Um, You know, it's tough out there again, like you said, a victim of her own success, the expectations are crazy high. She's still number one in the world. It seems like she's just, it's just mechanical to me. Like when I watch her, like it doesn't look like there's any, anything like it's not a mental thing she's just not hitting the ball as well it, it just you know she's just in a funk like swing wise could be well she changed instructors again in the middle of the year um yeah i don't i i i wish i had some great insight into the mystery of jen young co but um but i i i don't and i and but yet you still feel like if she figures it out to her. She's coming off of two missed cuts here, but if she figures it out that she could go on a tear at the end of the year, like she did last year and, and not be player of the year, but uh, you know, solidify herself, you know, at the top of the game again, right now, she's just living off of last year's success in terms of her ranking. Which it seems like the true great ones always kind of use those low points as like fuel for, you know, the high points are that much better because, because they've, they've been in the lab working and figuring something out. And, and that's what, yeah, that's exactly, I mean, finished 71st at the Scottish Open and then missed the cut at Muirfield, which is like, as we said, kind of a ball strikers type course. And then follows that up with a missed cut and her next start at the Canadian Open. I, I That's just kind of shocking, right? Based off of her last several years. Uh, it's It's really strange to to see her struggle and, and even to miss cuts, which I know is a maybe an unfair standard to hold her to. But yeah, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on, I think. It's partly though, too. Like, I mean, at the at uh, Muirfield, she shot 76 in the first round, rebounded for 71. She shot 68 first round in the Canadian Open, 73 second round. So it's not like she's just blowing up both rounds. Like she's she's just not stringing two, you know, two good rounds together. It, it seems like kind of a momentum thing, right? Which is weird because she's known for her consistency. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of maybe on the flip side, Nelly Corda appears to be back. No, no, to my eye, really no kind of lasting effects from the, the blood clot issue. Um, seems to be playing some, some really good golf and just right back and like, kind of that top 10 machine. Uh, and I, I feel like as as we enter a busy stretch here in the fall for the LPGA schedule, would not be shocked if, if she picks off a couple of wins here uh, coming down the stretch. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think she's she's clearly right there. You know, it, she was right there in Canada. And, uh, and 
you know, I just think this is where, where it seems like Jin Young feels a little from our perspective, just from the outside looks a little lost, you know, Nelly's trending. So I definitely feel like, um, like exactly what you said, wouldn't be surprised, you know, to see her in the season strong, but it's just still shocking that the great battle that we thought we would see throughout the year, never between the two of them, never materialized. And with that, the emergence of, of Minji Lee. Um, so I mentioned a busy fall stretch where the, the LPJ is in the midst of a seven events and seven week stretch here, heading culminating in the tour championship in November, where the top 60 get into that tour championship. Unlike the men, if, if you qualify, everybody starts out at, at the same score for the tour championship. So it's, it's a total free for all. You just have to qualify. I, I kind of alluded to it earlier, but the the two big kind of awards races this year, the player of the year really is Minji's to lose. Uh, I, I think Brooke is really the only one barring something crazy that, that has a shot to run her down. And then the rookie of the year is tight between Ataya Titicum and um, HJ Choi. So that will, that will be a battle, I think, to the end. Uh, but as, as far as, you know, we're, we're getting down the home stretch, Bethann, what, and any storylines or anything you're looking for or that, that you're kind of curious about? How, what's top of your mind here coming down the stretch of the 2022 season? Well, I, I think two things. I think, you know, first of all, just looking at Minji Lee, three top four finishers at the majors, obviously, uh, won the U.S. Women's Open this year for a second major, and, and she's leading the Bear Trophy right now. You know, she can pick off two Hall of Fame points right there with the Bear Trophy and the, the Player of the Year, and and she can ascend to number one this year. So this could be, you know, the year of Minji Lee where we finally start to see, you know, what what we thought, you know, we'd, we'd see years ago from Minji. So, um, so I'm, ex- I'm excited about that. I think that's really cool for Australian golf. Um, and then it's a $2 million first place prize at the CME. So that's, that's the biggest prize in the history of, of women's golf for, for a first place paycheck. And, and as you said, you know, all 60 players can win it. So that's really fun. I, I and, and obviously the, it's a, it's a, an increase all the way down the line for, for every, every player in the field. But really the, the headline there is, is the $2 million. And, and that's, that's significant. Yeah. TC, anything, any, any, I putting you on the spot here a little bit, but anything you're curious about or, or you're keeping your eye on here as, as the women's season comes down the stretch. Yeah. I think you're kind of wrapping up the, uh, the rookie of the year race a little early here. I oh, think who some, am I forgetting about? I think there, you know, a we got a we got a few tournaments left here. Um, you know, we've got Cincinnati this week coming up. We've got Portland. We've got Arkansas. We got Texas. You got the the Meta Heels moving to Satakoy. Um, you know, you've got the 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 two kind of limited field. Asian events uh, in Korea and Japan. And then you've got the Pelican and the CM. Like, I think there's a long way to go here. So <laughs> I think you could have, you know, a rookie win, like, like, like uh, Lilia Vu. She's playing well this week. She's, she's played really well the last four or five events. Uh, seems like she's kind of raised her floor. Um, you know, obviously Titicum, who I still don't understand how, how that is, how her name is pronounced. 
but uh, <laughs> I do not see an M in there anywhere, but uh, it is what it is. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of, uh, you know, you're calling it early, I think. It's not quite a two-horse race yet. Well, well, I will say, Vu technically is not a rookie. She she okay. she first got her card in 2019, uh, but had a, a terrible year. Did she so, only play a few events, though? She made like nine starts, but, but she's not... At least the LPGA doesn't list her on the Rookie of the Year standings page, so... I, I okay, but she is having a very good year. I don't know. I just look at the it, it's all points based. I, I just don't think, I mean, barring, yeah, somebody could win two weeks in a row or do something silly. I, I, I think it is a two person race, though. Beth Ann, am I, am I crazy with that? No, I, no, you're not crazy with that. And, and, and Hedge and Choi, you know, she, she's been close. She's primed to win. You know, it could be, it could be a barn burner down the stretch because she, you know, obviously. Um, Ataya has won and, and she hasn't, but, but I wanted to say, I wanted to point out one, one thing to, of, of note to kind of watch Lynn Grant, who of course just won again yeah. and, you know, keeps on winning is technically, you know, an L, an LPGA member. And I, I believe currently 74th on the CME points list. And she told me that she does plan to go play in the Asian events, the limited field Asian events on the LPGA schedule and, and could play her way into that CME um, two million dollar first place prize. So something to to follow down the list. Well, but if she, well all right, hold on. But but how would she play her way into the city first? Well, place that's prize? why I, I, Beth Ann. We've heard she's not vaccinated, so she can't play in the United States. Until, For real? Yeah, until yeah, that, that changes. That, that's why she won't come over here. I did not know that. that. Yeah. yeah. Now that's well, we don't know that officially, but that's. What we've been told is oh, otherwise she could easily a Novak Djokovic situation. Yeah, because otherwise she could easily just come over and play any of the events here in September and play her way in. Yeah, to the two Asian events. But yeah, that's that's kind of the word. And that yeah. is an interesting word. I mean, she huh. seems like she's you know without a doubt probably a top five, if not top ten, player in the world as it is right now. Right, just the way she's playing. Well, she's not playing the same kind of competition week in, week out um, over there. She is, you know, on the LPGA, but she's, um, she's, but I think she's a lot of players. so handily that I, I like I, I would imagine that her competition, if she was playing it week in, week out, that she'd be racking up. She, she would have at least, two, you know, two wins over here at this point, I think. And potentially, potentially. It I would mean, cer- it would certainly it would be a fascinating because she she's a rookie, right? She'd be right in the rookie of the year race. Yeah. Um, you know, she she had a top ten at the Evian, and then was top twenty at the Women's Open. It, I I, I wish she was week to week LPGA. Uh, it's going to be fascinating though. Like what? Either she's got to give, or the U.S. is going to have to change its policy. Which so that like, shocks me that she could get into like Korea or Japan because they're even stricter. I mean, Japan is like. For tourists, they're not even allowing anyone in unless you're part of like a registered tour group at this point. So I don't know. Strange times. Uh, yeah. I'm still blown away that 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 uh, Lilia Vu is not considered a rookie. Nine <laughs> events is not a, is not a you know a rookie year make. Uh, oh. She she's she's having a resurgence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, oh, one other thing too. Aeon risk reward. Mm. Oh, the million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So Minji is 
well ahead. She's she's uh, average to par, minus one point zero three eight. She's also played twenty the holes twenty six times. She's played thirteen events. Nelly still has five rounds to go to qualify for the minimum and is at um, minus point eight eight nine. So about one point or point one five behind. And then Cup shows just behind that. Titicum, uh, Jessica Corda, Sarah Schmelzel, all kind of in that 0.8 range. So that'll be an interesting thing as well. If Minji, would she get docked if she has a bad performance on on any of the holes moving forward because she's already hit the minimum rounds threshold and is like four events ahead of of Nelly? How does that work? Now you're in the weeds. I don't. I. I don't know. I. I. I apologize. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not up to date enough on my Aeon Reward <laughs> um, factoids. But as you were talking, I was like, "Wow, Sarah Schmelzel. That'd be a really fun winner for that with a billion dollars." I mean, the rest of them, eh, they're all. They're all. Was, rich. <laughs> wasn't that a consideration for Hannah Green last year? Like she. She. She didn't play. Oh yeah, she's skipping Or yeah, because. To not go down. Protect the points. Yeah. Yeah. So, because really, if you make like a double bogey at some point on one of these holes, it's. Well, so I'm reading off the website. The, the players take their two, their best two scores from each risk reward hole. So, like, yeah. So, okay. if, if you, you know, if you miss the cut and you screw it up once, then yeah, you're going to have a bad week. Uh, but if you make the cut and you only have like one bad day where you bogey or even double bogey, you, you can toss that out if you have three other good days. So I, I think if you play in an event, those scores will count. However, they're only taken two. So there's an opportunity if, if you screw it up one day uh, that, that you can potentially drop that. It was funny. I was talking to somebody on the PGA Tour and he was saying how he just like he fist pumped. It was like a random Friday afternoon and he fist pumped and he's he's well off the lead but he's well inside the cut and uh and you know the uh broadcast had no idea why he was fist pumping or anything it was like a random <laughs> 15 footer that he made on like the sixth hole but he you know but he knew that <laughs> that was the Aeon risk rule yep. part of all. <laughs> so I mean these like they care you know it's a yeah the game was a lot the of game. money well, it'd be fascinating if Minji kind of had a commanding league going into the tour championship. And then it's, you know, it's like, do you just take your million and say that's good enough? Or, you know, you press your luck and obviously you play with the hope of winning two million more. It, it really offers some intriguing possibilities yeah. for players. What's the uh, hole? You can't skip the tour championship. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'd be <laughs> curious to know what the hole is at Tiburon, too, because there's some tough ones out there with a lot of water. They, I see they have it through the next couple of weeks, but they haven't, they're, they're not showing, uh, that far ahead on the calendar. They, they go like three weeks ahead. So at Kenwood for the, for the inaugural Kroger, uh, tournament next week, it's going to be the par five 12th at, at Kenwood country club. So it's a par five. Um, another player that I wanted to just shout out as she's had, I don't know, just a solid year and it's kind of gone under the radar stephanie kiriaku maybe it's just recency bias but it seems like she's kind of been popping up more and more on on stuff and then randy looking at the the uh, leaderboard today your stanford friend is is there miss crowder oh, is, uh, oh yes minus five she's she's one off the pace oh yeah aline crowder i yeah. i hadn't even really looked at the leaderboard yet today 
yeah, for folks, again, we're, we're recording this on September 1st, even though you're going to be hearing this after the conclusion of Toledo. Yeah, that's fan. That's fantastic. Um, this might be her official pro debut. Maybe she's had some official starts as a pro prior to this, but yeah, good for her. She got she got the the invite um, from winning the NCAA title with the, the Stanford team. She she's the one the representative that got the start. Oh, nice! Very cool! Very cool! Um, Bethann, just a few scheduled things. Uh, the International Crown is back in 2023. Stoked for that! It's going to be at TPC Harding Park too, which is cool in early May. Some uh, time golf. Uh, yeah, TC. This is one we we got to. We got to get to. I, this really has the chance to be one of the better yeah. events each year on the on the calendar. Very very happy to see it's coming. Talking back. to the LPGA folks too, like they're very. There's a sense of excitement. Like I, a few years ago, there was before they kind of had to put it on hiatus. And talking to some of them uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was yeah, very much. There's a sense of enthusiasm and energy around that event. It seems like this could be their kind of their, uh, you know, because you like kind of bouncing around, hey, how like can we get Korea versus the rest of the world in some sort of team competition? Right, like, right. yeah, this kind of this is kind of that if you want like if they play well, it basically is, you know? Yeah. They won in Korea in twenty eighteen. Yeah. It was a it was crazy. Uh, I wish they didn't like it. How many yeah. times have you been to Korea, Bethan? Um three times. And but that that was um I mean, I've covered other events in the past, but that one was just so unique because it was the first time I've been where Korean players were representing their country, yeah. you know, on home soil. And, and it was, especially for SH Park, the screams, it was like being at a, if I had ever gone to a Justin Bieber concert, I would imagine <laughs> that it would, it would have been much like that. Very high pitched. It was, it was unbelievable, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fantastic format. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, Hanwha, I believe, is going to be the title sponsor at Korean Company. So I, I would imagine it'll be in Korea not too far from now. Um, but I think they should just add some women onto the President's Cup team while they're oh, at it since uh, they've lost so many. No brainer. <laughs> amen. No brainer. It would, that, would, that would even things out in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a couple other schedule odds and ends. The Chevron, no surprise, but it's it's moving off of Anwa Week, which is good, I think, for everybody. It's going to be later in April in 2023. I still can't believe they play the match play. It's going to be deep into May in Las Vegas. It just it's so hot then. No fans, uh, right? Yeah, no fans. You got to like be a resort guest, which you know it's one of the most expensive resorts. It's a weird. Weird event. I'm glad they have a match play, and, and Shadow Creek's a great match play course, but there's some weird stuff going on around that event. Um, I was going to say, I guess they just want their guests to bet on the matches and yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. the, from the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. uh, the U.S. Women's Open is moving into the first week of July next year, which is great. That'll be a pebble. I've heard that we could be kind of close to an LPGA-PGA tournament. And I have not heard any specifics, but just looking at what I've seen for the LPGA calendar, there's a hole in the schedule, September 14th through 17th, which would coincide with like the beginning of the fall tournament schedule for the PGA. 
maybe that's a spot where they could fit something. I, I that seems like a no brainer too. Um, I they they got to get a a dual tournament here sooner yeah. than later. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what their, their format is too. You know, is it you know are you going to do a team thing like the old JC Penny Classic, or is it going to be like the Scandinavian mix where the men and women will play from their own tees and and play against each other for one purse? I think that would be really interesting. I'd, I think I'd, doing I'd, that at the right course is yeah is the ticket. I'd prefer go that way personally. Mm-hmm. Um, just it'd be super interesting. Uh, the the only other note with next year, it sounds like a type of shot link is coming down the pike. Um, I know Bethann, you have some more details. I don't think it's necessarily the full shot link apparatus what we have on the PGA Tour, but it sounds like hopefully we're we're moving towards more granular, reliable stats and information on on the LPGA. Yeah, so currently you have caddies getting paid to to essentially write down stats. And, you know, sometimes that might be done at the very end of the round, trying to remember, you know, what happened on 14 or two. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I, I definitely think that this will be, um, should be a lot more accurate. It's my understanding that players will carry some kind of a GPS clip um, in their pocket or clip to their shorts or something and uh it's kind of the poor man shot link i guess uh but but a step up from what what they currently have right now that should provide some more reliable statistics question for you or a couple questions for you how's the new uh what's the the report card for the new commissioner or or, or, or is it or is it kind of incomplete at this point? It's too. I, too I think her her final ex- well, her first exam will be the most important. Could be her final exam. I'm not yeah. sure how she handles live. Well, I was gonna that was that was gonna lead me to the next question. Could yeah. be, could be the any rumblings of you know exam. like I know it. I know it's inevitable that that they turn their sights to ladies' game, and it seems like it'll be more of a kind of shooting fish in apparel of like, hey, do you want? Yeah. Ungodly amount of money that, that doesn't exist in the women's game currently. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's any rumblings or any, anything percolating on that front that, that, that makes it seem imminent or is that kind of on the side burner until they get their stuff figured out over the next 18 to 24 months on the men's side? So, you know, definitely a lot of rumblings. Um, You know, I, I, I fully expect Molly to meet with, uh, you know, whether it's Greg Norman or someone else, you know, with live not too distant future to uh, to see what it is that they're thinking. Um, I, I think that. I think it's going to it's it's going to be tricky on a number of levels, because obviously most players would say how much. Sure. You know, <laughs> where, where do I sign? Uh, I, obviously, there's a huge morality issue there for a lot of players in terms of the the human rights issue. but. Um, but the, the money situation is, is really difficult for them to, to ignore and pass up when it really truly is life-changing money on the, on the LPGA, much different than the situation that PGA tour players, uh, you know, have been faced. And, and, and I think that when you look at, at what could happen, if, if they, if, if the LPGA didn't want to play ball the way they want them to play ball, you know, whatever that looks like 
it, it wouldn't take much at all for them to just say, okay, well, we're going to have 48 players. The men are going to play in the morning. The women are going to, they, they have a schedule already set up, a blueprint yeah. already set up of events. And, and with the field so small, it would be really easy to pop up, you know, a handful or, or even 14 women's events um, right off the top of that. I mean, I just, I just think that it, it's, it, it could happen when you have an endless amount of money, things can happen pretty much overnight. So, Has there uh, been any sort of uh, like, you know, I always get the press releases about the Aramco women's series or global series. And it's just, it just seems like it, it, it kind of happens and, and it's like a tree falling in the, you know, in the forest. Like it doesn't really make a sound <laughs> to me at least. Like, yeah. like what's, you know, like any, anything to glean from those or, or any benefits or negatives to come out of those thus far? Well, so they've been around for, for a little while now. And, yeah. and in, initially they're, especially the British press really asked, asked the tough questions and, and, and went hard at the fact that the tour had, had created this partnership and, and not just a partnership, but a series of six events. I mean, they basically in a major way are, are propping up the tour. So, you know, there, there was a lot of criticism early on. It's, I feel like it's, it's kind of, um, even though more American stars are playing, you know, the port has obviously just played in Spain. It, it because there's so much going on in the men's game, it just doesn't really get that much traction, even though the biggest stars on the LPGA are playing for Saudi money in the Aramco series and are playing on Saudi soil. And so I think that, you know, Lydia Ko won on Saudi soil last year. So, you know, I think it's, um, it's just a very different dynamic in, in terms of what they're playing for, but the morality issues, the women's rights issues certainly have been, have been raised. Just, it's just not to the extent of the men's tour because it, it's propping up basically the let you know and i don't know i don't know if if it's possible that those aramco events could become lpga sanctioned events at some point and raise those purses and you already have those events already in place if you know i don't know what lpga sponsors you know you know then you have to what what will the the, the big fish the big title sponsors on the lpga think about that there's just a there are a lot of of moving parts here but at the end of the day you're not, from what I can gather so far, I don't anticipate a group of LPGA stars banding together and saying, we're not going to play for Saudi money. We, I, I don't, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Oh, fun times, huh? Right. I mean, <laughs> so, it's, so it's wild. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. We are so early in this thing. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, well, Beth Ann, maybe I, I had some Epson tour. I, I just will tell people, you know, that that season is really getting down to it. I think there are five events left as of when we're recording this. Two players have, have clinched cards out of 10. Uh, Lucy Lee might, might be who everybody recognizes. She, she'll be on the LPGA next year. And then 17-year-old Zhao Wen Yin, I probably have butchered that name, uh, has clinched her card. Uh, but near and dear to our heart, Jillian Hollis just won up in Idaho. She's in the top 10. We're hoping she has a strong push here and a season to secure her card. And then the only other one was Alexa Pano is an interesting name. She's been heralded for years now, was a, was a top junior, did not go to college. And, she just uh, turned 18, right? 
Yeah, and, and finds herself currently inside the top 10. So maybe on a future time when we talk to you, we can unpack who who did secure their cards. But uh, yeah, I wanted to just mention that the Epson Tour is, is wrapping up their season over the next uh, several weeks here. I will say, though, just just to backtrack for one quick second. Yeah. No, that's not allowed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, it's just, you know, we talk a lot about money and how significant it is, you know, these big paydays in the women's game. And obviously the U.S. Open is going on right now in tennis and, you know, Serena Williams is center stage. And uh, and it and it just it just pains me to, <laughs> to an extent that it could be the Saudis that give us equal purses and on, on an equal stage and and give us the, the the mixed gender events that we've been calling for for a long time and that just seems like it's it could so easily happen you know and that this is how it could potentially happen is just mind-blowing to me yeah no i said it like a pretty early on in this i'm like i think the smartest thing that the saudis can do is like offer Lexi Thompson $50 million and, and and basically add her to one of these teams and do, you know, kind of circumvent everything and surprise everybody and kind of pull out the Trump card on that front, um, you know, and kind of throw it in everybody's face. Like, and I'm sure that's kind of part of their, that's one of the wrinkles in their plan, right? At some point yeah. in some different form or fashion, but. I mean, you look at, you look at talking about trying to get Hideki, you know, to get in a J- Japan team and, if you had a Korean team, I mean, there's a lot of money in, in TV rights in Asia, you know, and, and having a, a team of top Korean stars, your, your international crown team, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's a big deal. Any other surprises on the 23 schedule? Like it's not out. I don't think they come out with it until November, early December when the, when the uh, down in, down in Naples, but, any surprises you think or anything else that you're hearing? I'm hearing rumblings of a, of a, of a revival of a tournament from yesteryear coming back to the schedule, um, which, which will be fun. I, I hear Corning's coming back. I haven't nailed that down, haven't written it, but that's word on the street, which, uh, which Corning was one that went by the wayside in the Carolyn Bivens era. So, um, so that would, that would be awesome because those are the, those are the crowds that you love on the LPGA, uh, you know, a, a tournament that was tremendously supported by the community. And, and I hope that's true. That was what, like, like upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Last played in 2009. So has, has been gone a while. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully exciting things. I, the international crown is awesome news. Uh, Corning would be excellent. Like I said, I'm still holding out hope that, that the PGA and LPGA have some type of combined event uh, for next year as well, but we will see. Um, Beth Ann, we'll, we'll let you go. TC, thank you, sir. Any Anything for Beth Ann on the way out or, or should we... Uh, oh, Beth Ann, I know what I was going to say. What what events? I don't... Will you be in Cincinnati? What's, what does your travel schedule look like coming up? I'm going on vacation to Michigan to look at fall leaves and hike a little in the UP and play some golf. <laughs> uh, going to uh, Gray Walls? Yes. Oh, you actually. are? <laughs> Sick. Oh, I know. I've never played it in the fall. I'm super excited. Yeah. Nice. It would be, be gorgeous. Uh, on a nice day. Yeah. That would be so beautiful. That's awesome. Uh, well, we'll miss you in Cincy. 
but I'm glad you're you're getting a little vacation and uh, hopefully our paths cross here before the end of the season and uh, we'll we'll have to do a, a wrap up talk as well once we kind of get down to the the end of the season. One hundred percent. Always a pleasure, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting me crash. Uh, I just, I don't know. I've won. <laughs> I like talking on PGA. So I appreciate well, you guys having me. <laughs> thanks for joining. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke.